1: And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Sterling Fox with you on this Saturday afternoon. A pleasure to welcome back from his summer holidays, John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation. Johnny 1% is back on the radio. Hello, Mr. Carlson. Hi, Sterling. Great to be here once again. And uh, yeah, holidays are over and I'm ready to get to work. Well, I'm glad you had a good one. You certainly look well. And let's talk about uh, the health of our market as uh, as you come back from a few weeks off and uh, take a look around Metro Vancouver. Uh, July numbers. Now, we were talking about this before. Before you took your summer break, you were saying over the summer, things are likely to pick up a bit. And as I read the uh, July numbers, civilian though I am, I see a bit of an uptick. What's your take? There is actually. um, You know, it's nice.
0: I was gone for most of the month, so maybe people waited till I was gone before they bought (laughs) I I don't know. But um, we were talking over the last few weeks about, you know, the market having been in decline in terms of the number of sales. When we looked at stats throughout February, March, April they were a little bit gloomy you know mm-hmm. going back saying the slowest number of sales or the fewest sales in 20 years and those kind of those kind of stats but when we were meeting i think in june uh, you know I, I recognized that just anecdotally the clients that i were dealing with i was dealing with they they were saying things like you know i've waited prices have come down and you know i am kind of ready and i i, I kind of thought that My feeling, anyways, was that the market was, uh, you know, not all doom and gloom, that people were jumping back in. And there's always those people who want to get in before their kids go to school and those sorts of things. So I was pretty, I wasn't surprised, but I was pretty pleased when I saw the statistics come out and say that July for Greater Vancouver was one of the more positive months we had. Sales were up overall compared to previous months. And, um, you know, in my humble opinion, uh, you know, that's a good sign, but it still is, uh, you know, you've got to put that against the backdrop of an overall market that is that is uh, softening a little bit. So the numbers have gone from, you know, very poor numbers historically up to, you know, bump a little bit of a bump. So the buyers are out there, the market's not dead, things have adjusted, but uh, the numbers for July were very positive, and I think that's going to carry through in August. So. People who are looking at um, maybe selling their property, they might find that the market's a little bit more uh, positive than they've seen in the last six months.
1: Interesting stuff, because uh, Canada Mortgage and Housing, while you were gone, released a report saying, they talked about the vulnerability factors of real estate in Metro Vancouver. There are four, and they say that we're no longer at a high degree of uh, vulnerability for these factors, which cause prices to go, well, into the stratosphere, where we've been living for the past few years. These price corrections that you were referring to since uh, June, uh, uh, really John have only brought some prices back to about two thousand and sixteen levels. The market is by no means crashing. it is a minor correction from the stratosphere really isn 't it well yeah we, again
0: we 've been talking about this the market was kind of crazy, and there were a lot of factors I think that you know over time have become more obvious to the general public uh, that have led the, that led the market to I guess the reason that the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation says it's less vulnerable is the prices have come down a little bit. And, uh, you know, I always like CMHC because they're in the business of insuring mortgages. I yeah. mean, they watch this stuff very carefully. They want to know, you know, how risky things are. If they're lending money to first time buyers or low equity buyers, I mean, they, they need to know this stuff. So I always read their, their stats. And I think what they're suggesting is that, um, that the, the market was rather vulnerable to price adjustment. Absolutely. So if you have a oversupply and uh, the demand is way down and the prices have far exceeded the you know the wages of the typical buyer and maybe there's other reasons we've talked about for that people were thinking at CMHC hey you know what this could we got to be careful here because if we lend to someone who's got 5% down and the market drops 10% that buyer's underwater and yeah. something happens we're holding the bag mm-hmm.
1: so and they they have a recent example the 08 crash in the United States saw a lot of mortgage insurers And lenders take up just a pounding and many negative equity situations came up.
0: That's right. And I think that going back another six to 12 months when we look at the stress test where, you know, they added a couple of percentage to the qualifying procedure there to make sure people didn't get. Too indebted, I think that the outlook at that time and it was that things were going to soften. you know the air was going to come out of the tire to a degree that maybe that tire was a little bit too inflated and now I think the government measures on the federal level with the uh, the stress test uh, the provincial measures have really kind of taken some of that air out and w- at least when I read the CMHc report, what i 'm seeing is uh, that some of these factors have have lessened, but I think the overall market is still vulnerable if i 'm not mistaken, they did mention that the one concern they have is overvaluation. That's why
1: I was going to ask you about that because uh, there are four categories. Now, three of them have been reduced to moderate risk. But the one that does remain for Metro Vancouver real estate in the higher risk category, according to CMHC, is overvaluation. Right. What, that's a very technical sounding term. Does that mean prices are still too high?
0: I think so. And, and this is what they're, and it makes perfect sense to me because if you think about the market as kind of this living, uh, changing organism, we're having some of these factors removed. But, but when, when it comes to pricing, just because, let's say, interest rates go up or other, other in, uh, factors come to change the market and, and sort of take the pressure out of the market a bit, it doesn't mean that sellers are just automatically going to drop their price. It may ratchet down a little bit over time. So, mm-hmm. in other words, the pricing takes some time. A seller might say, hey, my neighbor sold for X amount. Last year, I'm going to try for the same, and then, hmm, doesn't seem to be working, and maybe I'll drop my price a bit, and then maybe I'll drop it. And then the neighbor hits the market, and boy, they're a little bit under there. and So it ratchets down over time. And I think with these other three factors, according to CMHC, coming down into a more moderate level, Mm -hmm. the last thing that happens is prices come down. Because sellers, hey, if I'm selling something, I'll reduce my price, but only if
1: I have to. How many of those sellers, and you just described, for example, why July's activity level increased, because a lot of people who had been sitting on the sidelines decided it's time to get in the game for a number of reasons, not the least of which it's summer and we got to be somewhere by Labor Day. Yes. Uh, but also uh, in terms of the housing market and, and and participants, are you finding, John, there are still people sitting on their hands? Because prices have declined a little, they're waiting for a, a return to those prices of yesteryear uh, in the stratosphere. How likely is that to happen?
0: Well, uh, first of all, yeah, I think there are people who are still waiting to see further adjustments. Um, But then there are people who maybe might like to upsize, but they bought when the prices were higher, and they don't have the equity to do the move up now. So there's all kinds of of reasons there. But uh, I think if I read the CMHC report, and based on what I'm seeing, that prices are still adjusting. The market is still in a, in a situation where the old days are gone, and the new days are kind of um, you know, taking its toll on what's going on out there in terms of what buyers are prepared to pay. I've had a number of clients who have told me, you know, John, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, sure. and that was a wise, and now they're saying, you know, I think I'm ready to jump in the market, because here's how i take it 6 months ago or so when this was all kind of coming out into the into the public that the market's changing there was a lot of doom and gloom and i think people were rightfully a little bit scared well the market didn't crash we've mm-hmm. had a kind of a soft adjustment so far and i think that the fear for a lot of people has come out and it's hard to time the market you know exactly right and get it at the absolute bottom and sell at the absolute top although that's everybody's dream and i think that a lot of the people i've been talking to are saying things like well you know Interest rates are still low. The market is not going to stay down forever and it will swing back up again. And quite frankly, I'm tired of living in this small place and my kids are getting bigger and it's time for me to go. So... Yeah, I'm seeing both. Uh, You've seen a mix of both. There's all kinds of different uh, buyers out there. Some are ready to act now, some are still waiting. And that's why we're not seeing the super high numbers we did before, but we're seeing a little bit of encouragement compared to the doom and gloom.
1: But you know, John, another factor, and we've talked about this many times in the past, is simply population. Lots of stories in the news these days about whether Surrey's going to get its own police force or not. And every story that comes up, it always says 800 people a month move into Surrey. That's 10,000 a year, and that's just... Surrey. We know for a fact that in this year, calendar 2019, 30,000 people are going to move to Metro Vancouver. Obviously, 10,000 of them to Surrey. But population uh, ingress continues uh, year after year as regular as rain in Metro Vancouver.
0: You're absolutely right, Sterling, and that's one of the uh, big factors that goes into my thinking. That this is not a market that is uh, on the verge of crashing in any way. It's an adjustment. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the prices are coming down a little bit to reflect reflect reality. But uh, we're backstopped by an awful lot of demand, and some of that demand is just sitting on the sidelines right now, you know, waiting. And, and the more that the buyers step into the market and prop it up with their money, I think the more that it'll level out, and eventually, of course, things go up again. So, uh, yeah, the influx of, of people coming to this area is one big reason that I am supremely confident in the value of real estate long-term in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley.
1: And uh, now, talking about a lot of people who are still sitting on the sidelines, debating as to whether it's time to move and sell or buy or whatever over the... The summer, uh, people are looking around for options, ways to, to save money, ways to do it faster, simpler, whatever. A big article in The Sun a few days ago, uh, preparation is the key to selling your home without a realtor, John. Navigate the maze all by yourself, basically was the article. Right. Again, it's an option available to those who want to take a DIY try at something like that. Uh, what did you make of all of that? Obviously you're a realtor, so kind of runs rubs against you the wrong way perhaps or what did you think it didn't rub me the wrong way at all i mean
0: uh, i am uh, a firm believer in uh, the human rights for people to do what they want to do and one option might be to sell your home yourself and that's always been an option i mean realtors are there if you need them, and if they provide the right value, so that you might say, "Hey, it's worth it for me to hire this fellow or this lady to represent me." And a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. But what this article I think pointed out is, there's a company that is offering to uh, basically sell access to MLS. This is this is nothing new. It's been going on for a while. It's uh, in the industry we call it a mere posting. Okay. So Sterling, if you were to come to me, and I, I don't do this, our company doesn't, but but some do. Uh, if you were to come to me and say, "Hey, John, you know, uh, I want to be on MLS, but..." I don't want to pay a realtor. I don't need any representation. I can do all this myself. I just myself. my
1: pictures on your website. That's right, right. or oh, On MLS,
0: where right, all the right. action is. Yeah. So that's fine. I could say, okay. And I think in, in this case, it might have been $500. Okay. You pay, I put you on MLS and say, there you go. But, hey, Sterling, I'm not your agent. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of washing my hands of you here. You're on your own. Sure. I don't advise. I'm not responsible for anything you do. I've simply sold you access to MLS. And nothing wrong with that. Right. I think it's wonderful. Open competition is wonderful. So, again, I have no problem with it. But there were a few things in the article that kind of made me think as a you know a professional doing this for 23 years that, that there are some pitfalls and there were some things in that article that you know that I thought were not
1: quite the way I would have put them Okay. Uh, any specifics, John, that sort of jumped off the page at you in terms... For I, ju- I just keep referring to it as navigating the maze. I haven't done this much personally in my lifetime. I right. don't think most people do. You buy and sell a couple of three homes, maybe, maybe half a dozen sure. over the course of a lifetime, but that takes a lifetime. And each time you do it, it's so different from the last time. Yeah. It's the maze all over again. And I need a navigator. Thank, Thank you very much. Sure. And if you do, there are all kinds of agents out there that
0: would love to work with you, I'm sure. But I think if I take it right, the article was uh, suggesting that commissions generally in Greater Vancouver are 7% of the first $100,000, right. right a half of the balance. Yep. Although there's no set commission rate, that's very, very common. So I think one seller was talking about a million-dollar home and commissions somewhere in the $30,000 range. And they said, hey, sellers are wondering, there must be options to this. They don't want, well, this is what I've been doing for almost 10 years at mm-hmm. 1% Realty. There are options, and selling your own home is one of them. Uh, but one thing I thought was a little bit... Um, Uh, I wouldn't use the word scary, but something that caught my attention right away was that um, the company will provide sales contracts to their clients. And, And I thought, gee, you know, if I'm going to get a root canal and you provide me with a chair and a dentist drill... That's a little bit scary. I might do some damage. You know, mm-hmm. you never know. It, I also thought about the old one. Uh, what was that Monty Python skit? How to do it, where they tell you to, how to play the flute. They basically put it in your mouth, blow on it, and move your fingers up and down the hole. So right, 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 right. The artistry is uh, the, the devil's in the details, so to speak. So I agree. Hey, if you want to sell your own home, power to you. And people have done it, and they've done well. But other people have found that maybe it wasn't the savings they thought. And ultimately... Uh, you know, there are other options that I think are better. And that's, uh, you know, where I'm coming from as an agent.
1: All right. Well, and of course, if you need a navigator to help you through the maze, as I know I do, uh, one of the finest in Metro Vancouver is sitting across the desk from me right now. His name is John Carlson. He is johnny one ca online. And you can reach him anytime at 604-612-0080. 604-612-0080 welcome back to Vancouver consumer for a Saturday afternoon here on ckNW I'm Sterling Fox joined in studio by Johnny 1% mr John Carlson from 1% Realty is back with us after his summer vacation John we were talking about an article in the Vancouver Sun just a few days ago uh, talking about the DIY the do-it-yourself approach to selling your home or buying a home but this is a, this is a seller's uh, article in which uh, the writer talks about the typical fees charged by a Vancouver real Realtors being 7% on the first 100,000, 2.5% on the balance. So for a million-dollar home, for example, uh, the commission would be 29500 versus the 1% realty business model, where exactly the same house would cost, the in terms of commission, $10,950, netting the seller... A savings, literally a cash savings, money you don't have to pay out, of $18,550. But, John, in addition to that... The article also points out that there are other costs, regardless of whether you do it all yourself. Now, they talked, you talked about a $500 fee, for example, for putting your home on MLS, the real estate online website. But there are also, and it, whether you use a realtor or not, there are also fees that go with buying and selling that uh, lawyers need to get involved, or notaries at least, conveyancing fees, right? Well, sure. Selling the $500 fee
0: was not something I introduced, but it was in the article. Yeah, I think yeah, it was with right. this company, charged. And and again, that's, that's wonderful. If you can get access to MLS for, in this case, $500 and you feel comfortable doing the job yourself, then why not go for it? I mean, in my opinion, real estate is not about realtors. It's about buyers and sellers. Right. And if a realtor is able to provide some value to that buyer or seller at a price that the buyer or seller think is reasonable, then that realtor will be working. They'll have a job. They'll have a job to do for their client. But you don't have to hire a realtor. I mean, most people do, but it's not absolutely necessary. Right. So There's you're nothing absolutely... in the law
1: that says you no. have to have a realtor. Fine,
0: and, and, and go ahead and do it. I'm not one of these agents who you know thinks that it has to be this way or has to be that way. This is a, this is a business, and we've got to remember who it's about, the buyers and the sellers, not the realtors. Right. But no matter if you have an agent or not... You know, to execute the contract, I mean, you have to have a lawyer or a notary public. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if if I can uh, work for you, for instance, selling your home and we get a contract that the terms are right for you and we have a significant deposit and you're happy, well, we got to send that to a lawyer or notary because I can't. Uh, advance bank funds and register the new owners and title and stuff. So you do have to execute that. And I don't know, depending on the property and all the terms, it might be a thousand bucks, eight hundred. And you know it depends if you're buying or selling. So sure. there yeah. are those costs. You also want to think about any potential taxes. Are you a first time buyer? Do you pay a property transfer tax? So there's all kinds of things, moving expenses. And so unfortunately, whether you have an agent or not, it's a somewhat expensive proposition to buy or sell property in Greater Vancouver.
1: And the other factor that needs to be included, and to to be fair to the writer of the article, it was included, and that's the notion of it's not entirely commission-free. You as the seller may not have to pay a commission to your selling agent, but there's somebody going to buy that house, and chances are that person isn't doing it by him or herself. They have an agent, and that person's known to, going to need to get paid. Well,
0: yes, yeah, so if you sell a, access to MLS to a seller, I mean, presumably uh, on MLS you're... Inviting other agents to show your property and those agents likely don't want to work for free mm-hmm. and um, their buyers likely don't want them to work for free, their clients. And so this is always with it. realtors don't set the rates or ask for commission. It's the buyer in the contract who writes the offer that says, I would like my agent to be paid this amount. Right. So I'm not sure, but pr- I'm just going to kind of guess here that if you're out on MLS, you're either advertising a commission or you're advertising... I think a dollar is the minimum you can do and everything's negotiable. Right. So in this case, when I read this article and I think it said, although we did pay a finder's fee of $10,000 and I'm thinking a million dollar property, Boy, lots of times I've done the whole job for people for very close to that money, and I've handled all the risk, and I'm covered uh, in terms of errors and in emissions insurance, and I've negotiated fees oftentimes with the buyers' agents and those buyers. So, hey, again, this is one option, but I'll tell you what another option might be: go to my website, take a look at what I do, or give me a call, have me into your home, and I'll be happy to tell you you know anything I can about the market, provided we've talked about agency first, mm-hmm. and. Um, Quite frankly, I think I offer a better alternative in that I can do, for the very similar prices, I can handle the whole thing for you. Talk so, to
1: us about agency. You used, you used an important word, and mm-hmm. you kind of threw it away, but agency is the bottom line. It's the description of the relationship between the buyer or the seller and his or her realtor. Yes. Yes. That that relationship is called agency. That's right. The, the agency relationship is a fiduciary relationship.
0: Meaning, if I'm your agent, I represent your interests and your interests alone. Right. I owe you the duty of confidentiality. Whatever we talk about is between us. Of course, the property needs to be disclosed. What we know about it, but personal information, strategy, all that thing. I owe you, I owe you uh, loyalty, full disclosure. I'm an open book. Anything I can offer to you to help you make a good decision, I must do. And avoiding conflicts of interest. And in, in other words, working for you, Sterling or any potential seller. I'm not also working for the buyer. I mean, this is these are the, these are the rules in real estate. Right. So agency is very important, and agency really is is determined not by any paperwork you've signed necessarily, as much as it is by conduct. And I thought it was interesting at the end of this article that um, you know access to MLS that's wonderful, and they pay a finder's fee that's wonderful. Uh, they give you the forms, okay, wonderful. But then it says the process is easy to understand and clients will be able to call the company for advice and guidance and i'm thinking well gee doesn't that open up the door to agency, A- agency relationship? right and if so if someone is asking me for advice as an agent i must first say okay hey i'm happy to give you my advice but we got to talk about agency here do you want to step into an agency relationship it's non-committal to you you mm-hmm. don't have to work with me mm-hmm. but i before we talk about these sort of things must promise you loyalty full disclosure and avoiding conflicts of interest and once, once that's out of the way we have an agency relationship, but at that point, if you decide to work with me, I'm responsible to some degree for anything that happens. So, I'm a little bit confused how someone could uh, sell access on MLS and then step back and say, okay, I'm not your agent, but you can call me for advice. So, I'm not sure. I don't know how all this thing works. Mm-hmm. All I know is what I've been doing for 23 years, and that is finding a client, finding out what they want from me, what their goal is, and helping them with through my experience the best path, determine the best path to go forward. So usually that means stepping into an agency relationship. And my focus has always been to provide the smart point, basically, for a seller. What makes sense? What commission structure do you want to offer? How do you want to operate? How do you want to position your home? So my job, again, is to, and this is what makes my my job quite easy, actually, because I get a lot of repeat business and a lot of referral business. Because I find out what the client wants, I try to give them the best advice, and I walk them through the process, and together... We help them come to the right right conclusions. So positioning and being in the right, the smart place when it comes to, to listing your home is very important. And uh, agency plays a big part in that.
1: Let's talk about the being in the right place uh, when it's time to sell a home and tap that for sale sign into the front lawn and get real. Okay. Uh, how recently, for example, must you have had a professional walk through your home and give it a thorough once over and an evaluation to let you at least know what this is? professional thinks this property is worth today? I can only tell you that I think it's very wise to get
0: a a very current evaluation. In my opinion last month might not be good enough. Hmm. In fact, um, I'll be meeting um, a a client, a a soon-to-be client very soon with a condo. A new listing coming up, by the way. A really nice condo in Coquitlam Centre area. Excellent building. It'll be in the 450 ish range. Uh, But uh, originally spoke to her about a month ago. Been on holidays. I'm going to get together with her Mm -hmm. and we're updating that evaluation. What's sold? What's active? What's our competition? So, yeah, I think a good evaluation is is definitely key and I think it's not a bad idea to get more than one opinion sometimes because... When an agent is asked to, to provide an evaluation, at least I tell this to everyone who asks me, all I can give is my opinion. Now, I base my opinion on my expertise, and I try to back it up with all the information, but an opinion is just an opinion. I don't decide what someone's going to pay for your home. My job might be to help you position it properly and then convince a buyer that it's worth that money, Right. but again, uh, an, an evaluation is an opinion, so it's it, it kind of... Uh, depends on the quality of an opinion sometimes depends on the quality of the individual giving it in terms of their expertise and their knowledge and that sort of thing. So, hey, get more than one opinion if you want. But if you're going to sell, look at what's going on in the market and make a smart decision. Go to that smart point you want to be in terms of pricing. Be ready to talk about commission and how that might work because some buyer's agents, as we've discussed in this kind of market, may. Uh, want to try to negotiate that commission. After all, you know, the sales are down and a lot of agents are hungry and they do a great job. Agents should be paid. I've got no problem with that. Just know the
1: landscape that you're in. Well, we've been quoting three different articles on real estate from three different publications in the last hour, and all of them point to the fact that the market is in a very dynamic state of flux right now. The prices are fluid. They're dipping slightly. There is a correction underway. And if you're sitting, again, on the sidelines, right back to where we started this conversation, if you're sitting on the sidelines in the summer of 2019 going darn it, you know, this is the summer we'd plan to sell the house, execute the game plan, downsize, and take a big holiday this winter when it's all over. But you know, the prices just aren't anywhere near what I imagined they would be by the time it came to execute the game plan. So now what do we do?
0: Well, you get the best information you can and you make the best decisions you can. And having knowledge of the basic facts, at the very least. I mean, could be the, the difference between, you know, business-wise, I speak, life and death. Uh, something just came to me. Like, I've always thought, wouldn't it be nice to try surfing? Now, I've never tried it. I probably never will. But if someone were to, if I were to rent a surfboard in a wetsuit, and I'm going to head out on the ocean, I better know, is the tide coming in or is <laughs> the tide going out? Good point, yes. Because I don't know where I'm going to end up. So, the very basics know the basics of the industry now, a good agent should know an awful lot more than that and mm-hmm. really help you with that, but it just kind of gives you an idea that uh, I, I hope it gives uh, people listening an idea that you have the ability the freedom to do whatever you want when it comes to selling your home. I would never argue with that, and people who can sell on their own or they can they can pay a, a, an agent seven percent of the first hundred thousand two and a half like a lot of do wonderful i mean if you 've got a good agent it 's worth that kind of money. One, I think that's fantastic. Turn them loose, let them earn. But like this article said, there are alternatives. Sure. And one of the reasons I've been successful is I think I provide a very attractive alternative. Uh, I've got a lot of experience and a good track record, and my rates are very reasonable. Everything's open to negotiation, but uh, I don't uh, put a seven and two and a half commission on. and, and I, I try to be more reasonable and save people money, but at the same time, What market are we working in? What's the best course of action?
1: You've spoken very eloquently about the ethics of realtors during this program, but you know there's the one percent reality. You charge less. What's the problem from the point of view of a seller uh, listing with one percent who automatically thinks, well, because the the agents who represent possible buyers know because it's a one percent sign on my lawn, they're probably not going to make as much as they might uh, the house two doors down the street with the other sign. probably not even going to want to show my property. What's that danger? How real is that?
0: Well, that's a common question that I get. Are realtors, will realtors show my property? I mean, hey, John, we're going to list a home and uh, the commission might be less than half of what the next door neighbor is with Mm -hmm. another company. Mm -hmm. Gee, why would Joe or Sally Realtor at XYZ Company show my property? Exactly. Well, again, we could talk about agency. If I'm an agent for a buyer, I owe that buyer the duty to show them all available properties that meet their needs in the price range. As far as I'm aware, the way agency works, if an agent doesn't do that, uh, the agency relationship is open to be voided by by the client. The client might say, hey, you're not honoring the agency relationship. So I'm happy to say that realtors are ethical people. They understand agency and they want to serve the interests of their buyer. So I find that you know I guess it's kind of impossible to quantify if somebody doesn't call me to show my listing because I wouldn't know about it, but when I look at my listings and the number of sales that I have and how it works, and I've been at other companies and I've charged higher commissions, mm-hmm. I don't see any difference so uh you know the the commission is not the deciding factor. however, I found that let's say we go back a couple of years when the market was screaming hot um buyers were very hesitant to have their agents try to adjust commissions if they were, say, in multiple offer situations, sure, or sure. they're worried that if the deal doesn't go together, the prices will go up another 2 or 3% before they can buy another place. So when the market conditions were were that that way, I found it was quite, I wouldn't say easy, but it wasn't a particularly difficult task to sort of suggest to the buyer through the contract, court, You know, we're not talking verbally here, we're making counter-offers, we're going back and forth, that the commission you might want to consider, you know, and we might make a counteroffer, leave the commission alone. What I'm finding now with the market being much slower, I'm finding many more requests to amend the commission. And I think buyers are more comfortable with it now. So what I say to my sellers, let's find a place where we win. Let's position smartly, Offer comes in, if there's a negotiating process on commission, let's look at it as a package and let's keep an open mind because the sales are a little bit fewer than they used to be. So, again, I don't make the rules. I read the landscape and I try to give good advice. And that's one of the things I'm telling my sellers at this time.
1: You want to get things done in the summer of 2019? Well, enlisting the support of a pro is going to take you a long way to getting that accomplished. John Carlson at 1% Realty, online at johnny1percent.ca, and on your phone at 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080. Oh, and you can call them now because we're done, Mr. Carlson, and we'll catch up to you again in a couple of weeks. Can't wait.
0: The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKW.